right, good morning, Firewheel family. How is everybody doing? Happy Mother's Day. Can we give our mothers a round of applause? Everybody. Mothers, know that you are loved and we are glad that you are here. We're glad that all the rest of you are here as well. But we're glad for those of you who are joining us online. Uh, if I've not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Pastor Adrian Pina. And we, uh, I'm going to ask you guys to stand. We're going to go ahead and pray and ask that God would be with us during this service. We have a beautiful opportunity every single Sunday to be able to join together as the people of God and lift our voices collectively like an offering to God. And so I just want to make sure that we prepare our hearts and prepare the space for us to be able to do that today. So would you pray with me? Well, Lord, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to be together in this place for such a time as this. Lord, you know what we need. You know why we come. You know the status of our hearts. Lord, you know it all. But I thank you that you are our all in all. And so, Lord, we come to this place to worship you today, that you may be glorified through singing. You may be glorified through the proclamation of your word, through our giving, all as expressions of just humble gratitude for who you are in our lives. And God, I just pray that in this place, that if any person does not know your name and does not know what it means to have relationship with you today, I pray that they would meet you today in this place. I pray that hearts would be changed, lives would be changed, that literally family trees would be changed because people coming to the life-saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So Lord, we long to be with you and to glorify you for this short time that we have together. I pray that the praises of our lips and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you. So we pray this in the most precious and holy name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit and all the people of God said, Amen. Sweet. 
year, but one thing has stayed the same, our need for the mothers in our lives. When we're most weary, moms continue to nurture, encourage, and model selflessness. Mothers often seem to hold the world together. In big ways and small, we acknowledge all they, all you, do. Center stage and behind the scenes, tangible and intangible. We thank God for how you love and support, a care package of favorite things, a home-cooked meal, a note that makes us laugh, a full-bodied hug, a gentle word of advice, a clean house when we come home. We celebrate the young mothers who nurture their little ones with their own bodies, the mothers who dedicate their time to fostering the gifts of their children. The grandmothers who remember every birthday. 
the mother figures and godmothers who give of their resources time and laughter. In person or miles away, the mothers and mother figures in our lives bless us. And we're so grateful. You deserve more than one day of gratitude because you give of yourself every day in so many ways. Still, we pause today to acknowledge you and thank God for you. Happy Mother's Day.
song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Sip some hot coffee and chat with other moms as the kids play. Come create community through sewing every first and third Saturday of the month beginning May 15th. No experience? No sewing machine? No problem! This group is anywhere from the experienced sewer to a newbie coming together to build community through the common interest of sewing. Create fun projects to keep or to benefit the community. Discipleship is part of our church's DNA. To help you grow in your walk with God, we offer several different adult Bible studies. No matter where you are in your spiritual walk, we believe that you can take advantage of one of these Bible studies to learn more about God, the Bible, and to grow closer to Him as well as build relationships with the Firewheel family. To learn more about anything going on around Firewheel, go online to firewheelfellowship.com events or you can always check us out on social media. Good morning, Firewheel Bible Fellowship. How are we this morning? Hey, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Kevin Davis, and I'm one of the uh, Board of Elders here at Firewheel Bible Fellowship. And um, today's a special day. And for a couple of reasons, obviously, again, thank you and a shout out to all the mothers in the house. And today's a special day for that. But today's special for another reason. As you may or may not know, Firewheel Bible Fellowship has been supporting a number of missionaries throughout the world for several years um, in Dubai, in Mexico, and in Haiti. And today we're going to get a special word today from Andrickson Descolinas who is our missionary from Haiti. Now, a couple things about Andrickson. For those of you who may not recall, um, Andrickson and his wife Magdala and their two boys, Otniel and Mardokia, were members here for several years while Andrickson was attending Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, he graduated from there in May of 2015, and then God called them back to Haiti 
in June of 2015. Now, during that time, um, Andrickson has been a disciple maker, an itinerant preacher, and a Bible and theology professor. So we are very excited uh, to hear from Andrickson today. So if you would, let's give a very warm firewell welcome to Andrickson Descalinas. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, church. I'm so happy to be here to come back to my church. Um, I was telling a friend yesterday that, or two days ago, that when you live in Dallas, and after some time you left, you, you let some part of you in Dallas, but you bring some part of Dallas with you. And the part that I bring with me is the love that you testify to my family and my boys, my, my, my wife and I. The second part that I bring with me is my love for hamburger. <laughs> I discovered hamburger here, and man, this thing is good. <laughs> so that's a good thing. I'm so happy to be here, and as you know, um, we are facing a lot of uh, challenges back in Haiti, but God is good uh, to us, and we are still alive, and we are doing ministry, and we hope that God will keep us uh, doing that. Uh, this morning, I would like to share with you a text that we find in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 9, oh, sorry, to 6. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 6. The text says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance imperishable and undefiled and unfading, reserved in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, in which you rejoice greatly, although now, for a short time, if necessary, you are distressed by various trials. Hope is possible to those who believe. This is the title that I would like to share with you this morning. Hope is possible to those who believe. I know a man in my neighborhood who have been in, in who took part in six presidential elections. He went to vote six times. As you know, Haiti is a, a young country in doing democracy, so we haven't got a lot of elections. So, so far, we got only six democratic elections. And that guy went to vote six times, and guess what? Each time he voted, the person he voted for got elected president. So, for some reason, you will say that he got it right. The guy he voted for got president. But when he did that, 
He was not a friend of the candidate. He didn't know the candidate. He just believed in a promise, in a word, in a speech, that something will change about the country and about his life. He believed that at some point he will be able to provide for his family, to educate his children, to put food on the table of his family, and to have a better life. And each time he did that, the things got worse. So he tried again and again for six times, and things got worse and worse each time. I met this guy uh, two months ago, and during this election cycle, he got kids, and his firstborn kids uh, went to school, do, went to high school and university. When I met him two months ago, I asked him, how is the family doing? He said, ah, things are not doing well. And I said, how about your kid, your son? He said, well, he quit going to the university. And I said, what happened? He told me, well, to go to Port-au-Prince downtown, he has to go through a, a zone that is controlled by gangsters. And sometimes they are shooting, and he almost died several times, so he quit going to the university. And I told him, what's the plan now? He, he said, well, we are trying to send him to an island, Bahamas, the Dominican Republic, or Nassau. The man has invested everything that he has in his son. And at the end, he's just trying to get him out of the country because there is no hope there. And he told me, this country is a dream killer. Uh, and maybe you can relate to that, even though it's not your story, but some of you can relate to that, like to know a situation where that you are facing and you are hopeless. Uh, I remember um, that I was taking my boys two, uh, like maybe three, three weeks ago from school, and while we were uh, on, in the car, the car in front of us uh, were kidnapped in front of us. And, and I felt so hopeless that time to see that someone who has family, wife or kids, just left his home and got kidnapped by people who will trade him for money. And I feel so hopeless, so discouraged. And when I got home, my second son, Mordecia, said, Dad, I'm not going to school anymore. And this is how easy you can, you can be hopeless. This is how easy you can quit, because things that you didn't expect happen to your life and you just feel, okay, I cannot do that. I cannot carry it. Um, in the 60s and 70s, Apostle Peter uh, witnessed something like this. The church um, that he, he, know, he knew about it were facing hopeless situation. And people in this church were almost like, you know, give, giving up. And Peter wrote them this letter that I just read to you. And in this letter, he just wanted them to know that, you know, even though we are facing that, 
Even though things are so difficult, even though the situation is so bad, there's still hope. We still have hope. There's still hope for those who believe. Don't be hopeless. Hope is still possible for those who believe in Jesus Christ. And this morning, the sermon that I'm going to share with you is just the message of Peter to this church. And we are just going to see what Peter shared with this church in this period of time. The first thing that Peter shares with them is that hope is a necessity. We need hope. We cannot live without hope. This is what he said in verse 6. He said, although now, although now, now what happened for a short, talk, for a short time, if necessary, you are distressed by various trials. The trial that we are facing is now. The problem that we are having is now. And Peter said, now we are facing that. And because we have trials, because we are, we are facing things that we didn't expect, hope is a necessity. Hope, by definition, is the expectation that tomorrow will be better than today. Hope is always oriented towards the future. If all went well, if there was no sin, there will be no need for a better tomorrow. Hope is a joyful expectation for the future. Tomorrow will be better than today. Before the fall, there was no need for hope. And after glorification, there will be no need for hope. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the most important of the three is love. Why? Before the fall, love was there. After the fall, was is here. And after glorification, love will be. There is no way that we can live in heaven without love. But before the fall, there is no need for hope. Everything was good. After the fall, hope is needed. And we are living that, in that period. And after glorification, there will be no need for hope because we'll be in a perfect life. So for, uh, there will no, be no need for hope for there will be no need for a better tomorrow for sin will no longer exist. To understand hope, you must understand the despair that sin has created in, in, in the world. I remember one day I was leaving my church and I saw that man, they were carrying, uh, taking to the hospital because he tried to kill himself because he owed someone uh, some money and because he couldn't find the money, he tried to kill himself. I remember um, there is a group, a, a single group in Haiti, and this group got into an accident and some members died in 2008. The girlfriend of, of one of the singers shot herself. And when they interviewed her mother, she said she was hopeless. Desperate people make desperate decisions. Hopeless people make hopeless decisions. And even though when you go to the Bible, you will find a lot of hopeless situations, situations that will hurt you or hurt people in general. Two brothers went to worship. One killed the other one over the sacrifice. This is the story of Cain and Abel. A father slept with his two daughters and impregnated them. He is both father 
and grandfather of his own children. This is the story of Lot and his daughters. Ten brothers sold their little brother to slavery. This is the story of Joseph and his brother. A man, a king killed one of his most loyal soldiers in order to have his wife. This is the story of David and Bathsheba. In the book of Judges, a group of men spent the night whipping a woman, and she died from that action in the morning. This is in the Judges. A brother raped his virgin sister and sent her away like a vulgar prostitute after this action. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel 13, verse 20, So Tamar remained a desolate woman in the house of Absalom, her brother. In 2 Kings, verse 6, sorry, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 28 to 29, two women agreed to eat their own children. And one of them did cook her own children and ate it. Those stories are in the Bible. And you know, when you read that, you got depressed. This is hopeless. But because of that, hope is needed. Because of the situation that we are living in the world, hope is needed. I remember we have this singer in Haiti who, song, who sing that song that said, give me some light. Please, give me some light. We need light. We need hope. And Peter tells us this morning that hope is a necessity. The second thing that Peter said in this text is that hope has an object. And the object of our hope is Jesus Christ. I read this story a long time ago. The newlywed who had an accident. And the man got injured, but the wife, she was really bad. And fortunately, the man looked look out of a hill and, and saw a sign that said, there's a doctor here. So he, he carried his newly married wife to the doctor up to the hill, knocked to the door, and the doctor showed up. Oh, that's a, you know, he's, he's so glad to see the doctor and said, please, save my wife. And the doctor said, man, you come a little too, too late. Uh, I haven't been practicing medicine, uh, me medical thing for, for a few weeks. I, I quit. I cannot do anything. The man said, please, save her. And the man just responded that, I cannot do that because I, I stopped. And the guy said, you know, you have two choices. You either save her or take out the sign. You can have a, have a sign that said, you are a doctor. A sign that gives hope, but in fact, is not a real hope. This is the kind of hope that the world is giving us. A hope that is not true. A hope that is not real. But Peter said, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is the real one. Is the real hope. Because Jesus is the one that gives us a hope that is wonderful. In the text he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The hope that we have is a living hope. Why? Because Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, our hope is alive too. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the believer's guarantee that death does not have the last word. The object of our hope is the reason, is the reason in living Christ. This is why Peter tells us that hope is alive, and our hope is, is alive, it is not dead. A living hope is a hope which is true and vital in comparison to a hope which is empty and vain. Those who suffered in Asia Minor during Peter's time did not fall because they were on the walk that gives hope. The living hope, the living walk, this is what Peter said in 1 Peter 2, verse 3 and 6. He said, if you have tasted that the Lord is kind, to whom you are drawing near, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the sight of God, and you are yourself has living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never put to shame. The one who believes in Jesus will never be hopeless. Why? Because he is a living, living stone. They, they said this story about the cornerstone. They said the cornerstone in the temple is a heavy stone. This stone is 41 feet long, 15 feet wide, and 11 and a half feet high, and weighed 600 tons. This is the cornerstone. And the Bible said Jesus is our cornerstone. But the thing is, the other stones are connected to the cornerstone. So the other stone, they took an example of a cornerstone, which was 39 feet long and 10 feet, uh, 10, um, 7 feet wide, and this stone weighed 80 tons. The cornerstone weighed uh, 600 tons. But the, 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 the little stone that connects to the cornerstone weighed 80 stone. What does that mean? That means that the cornerstone is a heavy stone and is really, really huge. But as little stones get connected to, to the cornerstone, the little stone becomes huge too. So that means what we have is because we are connected to Jesus. And when we are connected to Jesus, what Jesus has, we have it too. So we are a living stone because we are connected to the corner, corner stone. I remember three years ago, four years ago, I went to a trip for a conference trip in Panama with the president of the seminary. And after the conference, we, we went to, to the airport to, uh, to, to catch our flight to Haiti. And we, we, we sat down, talked a little bit before we got to security. And a, a, a friend, an African friend who, who attended the, the conference, uh, came and sat down with us and talked. And while we were talking, uh, the line stopped, and there was a lot, a, 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 a lot of people in the line to get through security. And our African said, oh, 
I need to go to the line so that I can get through security uh, as quick as possible. So he left us, but we, 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 kept, we sat down and kept talking. At some point, they opened the priority line, uh, uh, the priority lane. So we got up, we get flow priority, and we went and sat down again. 25 minutes later, our African friend showed up. He said, man, I didn't know I were traveling with dignitaries. <laughs> and my, the president of the seminary said, no, we are not dignitaries. Um, the thing is, I, I travel a lot for my work, and because of that, I got mile advantage. So when I, when I buy a ticket, I can get it upgrade to priority. So this is what I, this is what I did. And he looked at me and he said, did you have my advantage too? I said, no, I don't like to travel. I always think that taking the plane is kind of, you know, a risky thing, so I don't, I don't like to do that. He said, well, or, or do you get priority? I said, well, the, the reason that I get priority too is because I was the one buying the tickets. <laughs> so when I bought the ticket, I said, I'm traveling to this guy. Whatever he got, I got it too. So when, when he got priority, I got priority too. When he got good seats, I got good seats. Why? Because I'm connected to him. Because we are connected to, to Jesus. Whatever he has, we have that. And Peter said this is the object of our hope. The third thing that Peter is, is talking about is the quality of this hope. In verse 3, and for he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance imperishable and undefiled and unfading reserve in heaven for you. Inheritance, by definition, is the bequest from parents to future generations. It is the combination of good things done to secure the future of children. Haiti is one of the rarest countries where its past is better than its present. People like to talk about Haiti in the past. Oh, in the 60s, Haiti was great. In the 70s, Haiti was great. In the, in the 80s, Haiti was great. But now... It is really bad. I know some people that the past is better than the present. I know some people who said, man, I remember when I was young, I could run. I could jump. Now look at me. I cannot do that. Some people, the past are better than the present. I remember the first time I came to Dallas and I went to, I went to First Baptist Dallas. And when I got there, they were doing this way, the fundraising to, to rebuild the church. But that church was, was already nice. And I said, if even I got those benches, I would be the greatest pastor in Haiti. <laughs> and this church were having a fundraising to rebuild that. But the motto was, for the next generation. Because they wanted the next generation to be better than the last one. And this is what the Bible is saying us. Peter is saying that we have something that is better than what we have now. We have an inheritance that is wonderful 
And because we have this inheritance, Peter said, it's not any kind of inheritance. It's something that is wonderful. And he gave us three, three specific qualifications of that inheritance. He said the first thing, this inheritance cannot perish or corrupt. It cannot. This legacy cannot be killed. God is not killing hope. God is not killing dreams. God is doing something that is wonderful. The second thing that he said, he said this inheritance cannot be soiled. This heritage cannot lose its beauty. Or perhaps better, is undefiled. The inheritance will not lose its luster and beauty. It will never become stained or filthy. This inheritance is nice. He said, this inheritance or this heritage cannot be withered or faded. It will never lose its character, value, and quality. It will last forever. This is the quality of that inheritance that we have. Something that is wonderful, that, that, we, don't, that we, we, we don't have words to describe it. We just have words to say what is not. This is wonderful. And the last thing that Peter is telling us is that the security of this hope. In verse, in verse 5, he's telling about the security of that hope that we have. I don't know if you know this story of, of this guy who took a picture to, the, uh, to, to, to a store to make a copy of it. And when the guy was, was using the copy machine, put the picture, and he noticed that the picture has a note in the back. And the, and the note said, um, I love you so much. I cannot live without you. I cannot imagine my life without you. You are so wonderful. And I see us growing up together and being old together. Pay a, um, a sign. The, the girl put his name. But in the back of his name, he said, in, in the bottom of his name, he said, P.S. In case that doesn't work, I would like to have the picture back. So as the guy is not really sure that will work, he takes the picture to a copy machine so that he can have a copy whenever he turns the original back to her. This is how we, we, we are in this world. But Peter said, the hope that we have in Jesus is, is, is secure. We cannot lose that. He said, in inheritance imperishable, undefiled and unfading, we serve in heaven. Have you met someone who went to heaven and, and come back and said, Amen, I, I just stole your, your hope there? No. He said, it's in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for his salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This inheritance is in heaven. The inheritance is protected and the believer is also guarded by the power of God. God is the one who will give this inheritance at the last day. At the last day, we will have peace, love, security, rest. Peter tells us that this inheritance is sure and that we will receive it because we are barricaded by God. The word he uses, which means shield, 
which can be translated as to protect or that you have soldiers protecting you. This word is used to refer to the garrison that are placed in a city to protect, to protect the city from enemies. How does God protect believers? Because we know that we are not free from physical pain and psychological pain. But Peter tells us that we are protected through faith. The believer must exercise faith to receive this inheritance. This is why, the, uh, this is why we have to exercise this faith. There is no final salvation apart from progressive faith. They, they, therefore, faith is the condition for obtaining an eschatological inheritance. It is imperative to understand that the protection of God cannot be separated from the faith of the believer. The shield of God protects us against abandoning the faith. But we, you have to know, and I was happy to be in, in Adrian's class this morning, that we cannot be separated from God. We cannot lose the, the faith that God put in us. We cannot. And some people might, might think, yeah, are you sure that we cannot be separated from God? I don't know, maybe you, you might know this story because it happened in February 28, 2014 in Mississippi uh, when Walter Williams, a 78-year-old man, uh, was declared uh, dead by, by a nurse and a, a doctor. And the doctor, but it was late when that happened on Wednesday of February 28th. So the doctor who took uh, the coronary, how they call it, took, 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 took uh, Walter Williams to, to, to um, how do you call that? Uh, huh? Yeah, where, where, where you, you take the, the dead people, okay? So, <laughs> so, so they, they took him there, but before they do all the procedure, it was late, so the doctor said, okay, I'm coming tomorrow morning to do that. But they put Walter William in the black bag, all those things. And while, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the day after, the doctor went to, to the place and to, to, to do all the things that he, he's supposed to do. And while he's getting his tools ready, he heard a kick in the bag. Now, I don't know for you, but for a nation to be in a home with a dead people and you hear, and you hear a kick in the bag, man, we are gone. Okay, we are gone. There's no way that we'll stay. But, but for some reason, the doctor turned around and show, uh, saw that there was m m motion, movement in, in the bag. So he opened the bag and Walter Williams was alive. So he called his family, they come pick him up, and now the police came in and said, okay, you have to explain that because you declared that the guy died. He said, it's surely a miracle. No, no, no. You cannot say that someone is dead and now it's alive. You have to explain that. And the doctor said, for 20 years in doing that, this is the first time he witnessed that. But what happened is Walter William had a pacemaker. And at some point, the pacemaker just kick him and bring life to Walter William again. And when I heard the story and I said, if men can put a pacemaker in our heart, that could kick in and bring life again. The God who created everything, if he said that our hope is secure, at some point the Holy Spirit 
will kick in after our death and will bring life to us again so that we can experience this living hope. So this is what Peter wants us to know this morning. Even though we are facing all those things, we have a living hope, a hope that is in heaven that we can count on God because he's the God who can do anything. But I want to finish with an application. To tell the truth, I have an application and an advice. The application is, is give thanks to God. This is how Peter started the text. He said, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has generated us to a living hope. Before Peter said that we have a living hope, he said, glorify God. Give thanks to God. Adore him. Why? Because he is the one that will give you that hope. In, 2000, in 2010, Haiti experienced uh, a earthquake, and there was this kid who got hurt in his head, and the wound was open, and she, he was crying because he was in pain. But we know, uh, his mom knows that he loves uh, something that we call shik. Uh, it's kind of a mix of male stuff like this. We call it shik bongu. And this kid loves shik. While he was in pain, his mom gave, gave him a shik. And uh, when he got the shik, he was so happy. And there is a song with the shake that said, shake, shake, shake. And, and he was so happy when he got the shake. He just keeps singing, Mom, shake, shake, shake. At some point, he forgot the, the wound that he got. He forgot the pain because he got the shake. Peter says, you know, even though we are facing that, but if we are in God, we need to glorify him. Bless God. Why? Because he can take the pain away. He can take our pain away and give us joy. So glorify his name. So we can sing like this kid. Shake, shake, shake. Or bless, bless, bless God. Why? Because he's the God who can give us this living hope. And the last thing, the advice is that you can get it right today. If you are not a believer, you can get it right today. Vote for Jesus in your life. Try Jesus once for all. My friend tried Jesus, uh, my friend tried to vote six times. And each time he thought he got it right. But unfortunately, he didn't. I cannot promise you you will be rich, healthy, if you vote for Jesus. But, but Jesus will restore your life and give you a living hope. So vote for him today. You can get it right today because we are saving, we are, we are serving a God who gives hope to those who are hopeless. May God bless you. Thank you, Andrewson. That's uh, it's awesome to see and to know that we serve a God who is doing work across the world, and that we get to be a little bit, a little part of what He's doing in Haiti and being able to 
bless our brother and be able to be with him today. Thank you for that word, that living hope. So now I'm going to ask you all to stand, and we're going to release you and pray over you so you can go walk out that living hope. All right? Again, to all our mothers, bless you. I pray that your kids, your siblings, uh, you know, your kids and your spouses do something really nice for you today. And uh, we celebrate and honor you. But now it's time. It's time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good and honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted and support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you until we meet each other again. Same time, same place, next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. Now go ahead and share that hope and that love with somebody else. God bless you guys. We will see you all next week.